This podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Please visit podbelly.com to see a complete listing of all of our other shows. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries. Eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Warning. You will be Are you sick of everybody being so sensitive these days? No matter what you say, everyone gets offended. Then we've got the podcast for you. I'm Jerry. I'm Amanda. And we're the hosts of Warning You Will Be Offended. A podcast with no filter. If you're offended easily, this is not the podcast for you. We can't even talk about most of the topics on this promo. You won't want to miss Amanda's Fact of the Week. Ooh, can I tell them about torso porn? Absolutely not. Can I tell them what color whale poop is? No. So subscribe today to Warning You Will Be Offended. It's pink. Damn it. Hey guys, welcome to episode 172 of Hippily Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. I'm Tracy. And we are back. We didn't really go anywhere, but we're back. All right. Okay, so let's first start off. This is a special special time of the year here in the United States. This is uh, Veterans Day coming up tomorrow. So we want to thank all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank you, all of you, for what you do. Amen. Thank you, guys. We're praying for you every day. Um, if you see a veteran, please buy them a meal, shake their hand. You don't know how much that means to them because every time I do it, they're just like almost taken back that I'm thanking them and it should never be that way. So yeah, let's just show them some extra appreciation. We should do it every day instead of just on the holiday. I agree. Yeah. We try to do that every time we see somebody that they've got a shirt on or they've got a cap on that show they're a veteran. We always make sure we stop and, and give them thanks. Absolutely. Also, it's that time of the year. We were out doing some Christmas shopping today. And it reminds you that, you know, even though we're kind of happy at the moment and we're getting, you know, gifts and we're thinking about that, that not everybody perceives the holidays as a joyous occasion. And we just want to make sure that everybody knows that if this is a very tough time of year for you because of first time celebrating a holiday without a loved one or it's just tough no matter how many years it's been since you've lost a loved one. Or if you just feel like that that for some reason this time of year just triggers a lot of depression in you, just realize that you've got people you can talk to. You've got friends and family members, even though you may not think you do. And then you've got Tracy and myself. Feel free to reach out to us. You can also reach out to the group, hillbillyhorrorstories.com. Uh, well, that's not true. That's, <laughs> that's a good place to go buy merch and tickets to shows. You can go to the Hillbilly Horror Stories group on Facebook. Absolutely. And there are, trust me, it's a closed group. You can talk about whatever you want. It mm-hmm. doesn't go past the group, and everybody in there is willing to give you support. Absolutely. We have the best group ever. Yep, so absolutely. But uh, also, if you're in the United States and you would rather talk to uh, professionals, 1-800-273-8255. It's a suicide hotline. And if you're more of a texter, 741-741. Okay. 
this week's story, Tracy, I wanted to do something that was kind of military-based, uh-huh. just to kind of fit right in with it. And I like to look back and, and and say, okay, what kind of stories have we done already? What can we do more stories of? Obviously, we do a lot of haunting and poltergeist and stuff like that. Uh, but it's just sometimes it's a matter of where it's at or what's going on. Like mm-hmm. with the, uh, for example, the past lives. People just love those episodes for whatever reason. Yeah. And so we did one last week, so we've done three of those. So I'm looking back, and I'm like, what have we not really done a lot of? One of them, of the topics, kind of familiar to the past lives, is the near-death experiences. We've done one of those, and we've had people ask to do more, but we just haven't. I plan on doing another one, but I've got a special guest that I'm really trying to get on the show. He is the premier expert. He's a doctor, uh, uh, but he's a, an expert in near-death experiences. I've heard him speak, and it was one of the most impressive things I've ever heard in my life. Oh, and I would great. rather I'd rather have him on the show okay, yeah. and, and do it that way. So I'm, I'm kind of waiting to hear back from him, but hopefully that would be something we do in the near future. One of the other things that I, topics-wise I'd looked at was we did the Queen Mary. And the Queen Mary, obviously, at some point in time was a naval ship. It didn't start out that way. But it ended up being a part of the war. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, we really hadn't done many ships. I think we did a, um, what do you call it, a steamship or a uh, paddle boat. Yeah. Uh, that I, It was in North North uh, New Orleans when we did one of some of the New Orleans stories. We did a little small story on that. Other than that, I don't think, I don't think we've done any ships. So I thought, well, if the Queen Mary was a haunted battleship, there's proud, probably others. And I did some looking around, and guess what? I found a few. Awesome. So we're actually going to do a few of these stories tonight for you. And I think you're going to be impressed by the, not just the history, but just the bravery that some of these men. Yeah. And uh, I don't, I don't think in these cases there were any women on the ships, but in case there was men and women, the bravery that they would have, would have put forth just to try to fight for our country. The first topic we're going to talk about tonight, or their subject, I should say, is the USS North Carolina. And you will hear that right after our sponsor break. Did The USS North Carolina was active during World War II, and it was involved in some of the deadliest battles. It didn't have very many lives lost, though, when you consider the battles that it was in, which I guess is, is fortunate. But even though there was just a little bit of death, there is a lot of paranormal activity, which some people find a little bit confusing as to why there would be so much paranormal activity for such little death. So today the ship is a museum in Wilmington, North Carolina. And if you've never been to Wilmington, North Carolina, it's absolutely beautiful place. It's right there on the coast and they do a lot of uh, movies down there. They've got a nice movie studio. And for those of you who are familiar with the movie Cape Fear with Robert De Niro, that was shot in Wilmington, Oh, North I didn't Carolina. realize that. And several. There's several movies, yeah. but that's the, that's the one that always comes to mind. Comes to your mind. Uh-huh. The U.S. North Carolina was built in New York Naval Yard in 1937 to 1940. In April of 1941, the ship was made a part of the U.S. Naval Fleet, so it didn't waste much time. It also didn't waste much time getting into action because December of 1941, the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. And just like that, the USS North Carolina was pushed into battle. The war ended in 1945, and North Carolina came back to the United States, and then it began kind of being used as more of a training ship more than anything else. Oh, yeah. It was decommissioned in 1947. Wait, why? Yeah, that's the thing that's confusing to me. I mean, the ship basically was seven years old. 
I mean, because it started in 1941 is when it made its first, you know, voyage, yeah. basically. And in 1947, six years later, it's already retired. Oh, and well, I would that, think that had to cost a fortune to build. So I have. Oh, yeah. That makes no sense. I couldn't find anything that said why. Why? You didn't find a thing? Nothing. Wow. So there were several attempts over the years to kind of modernize it, to try to use it for something else. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, the Navy really couldn't find a way to be able to use it. And by 1960, it had pretty much just been decided that we're just going to scrap it. A gentleman by the name of James Craig from North Carolina kind of got wind of this, and he worked really hard to get up enough money to get the USS North Carolina back to the state it was named after, which is it was never actually in North Carolina before, but it was named after North Carolina. So he wanted to get it back to that state. And he got it back, and they used it as a museum and a memorial to all well, the people that God were Well, thank God they did something with it. That, what a shame. Yep. So this was 1961 when that happened, and the doors actually opened to the public the following year in 1962. And she's been there ever since, and she's an icon of Well, good, good. Thanks to that guy for doing that. Paranormal-wise, there might be a few sailors from the past that kind of cling to the ship. It's not unusual for staff and visitors to hear strange sounds such as footsteps and voices. Many EVPs have been captured upon the ship. There's also been several reports of cold spots in rooms that are very warm and Compared to the rest of the room. They say, you know, I was looking at a lot of this, a lot of the same, not a complaint, but the the charges that there would be rooms that in the middle of the summertime where there would be air conditioning, but they were still warm. It's like, I'm sure a museum's not trying to play, doesn't make enough money to keep the place ice cold, you know, trying to save money too. How would they, how would they do that? Well, I guess they would just do like a... uh Central air thing, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure central air is set up through it, but they probably keep the air conditioning set on like 73 or 74, right, something right. like that. But anyway, they, people would say they would go in and where the rooms would be mostly warm, they would hit a spot that was like 10 to 15 degrees cooler, <laughs> noticeably cooler, but there would not be an air vent there or anything else. And sometimes really? they'd be like right in the middle of the room where that spot was cold and all around it was hot. So they had a bunch of different, different times where that situation came up. So one of the most commonly cited is an apparition of a young man with blonde hair. So there was a torpedo attack from the Japanese during the war, and five sailors were killed. It's believed that he actually might be one of the five people yeah. that was killed there. Oh, so sad. There's another spirit that likes to torment a night watchman. <laughs> he said that he's had several run-in with a male, get this, with white flames coming from his head oh that's nice. the apparition he sees so the guard likes to warn people to not to go try to find the spirit because he's afraid of what might actually happen if you did find him so the next haunted vessel we're going to talk about is the uss lexington and has nothing to do with the city we live in it's not i was gonna say i don't think we would have that in lexington <laughs> would we <laughs> no but i mean it could have been named after it still yeah know, i but, guess that's but, true but there's um only connection is it is nicknamed the Blue Ghost. So, yay! Go Big Blue. Go Big Blue. This beauty is actually in Corpus Christi, Texas, and it's also a museum these days. And it's officially called the Lexington Museum on the Bay. Sounds lovely. It does sound nice. It's nicknamed the Blue Ghost, as we said. And the USS Lexington was also active during World War II, much like the North Carolina we just talked about. The there's a big difference though between the two. This one is an aircraft carrier. 
It was one of the oldest working aircraft carriers and wasn't retired until 1991. So, like, just like we were talking about, the other one was retired after basically six years of commission. Right. This one was... It kept uh, on trucking. You know, it kept on trucking, or shipping, <laughs> technically. So, it started out in its, its service in 1943, and it was originally was named the USS Cabot. Now, this is going to be a situation that I'm not really aware of why this would be, and maybe somebody that's in the military might be able to, to give us the answer to this, or a history buff. It was built in Massachusetts Shipyard, and there was, like I said, there was already a USS Lexington before that, and it sank in the Coral Sea at this, at the time, about the time that this ship was being completed. Okay, the USS Cabot was being completed. Well, what a beautiful place to sink in the Coral Sea. I don't think that there is such such thing as a beautiful place to sink. (laughs) I I don't think that they're thinking, you know, I hate the fact that we're going down, but at least it's beautiful here. Well, you know. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be underneath, you know, scuba diving and stuff. Anyways, the point is that the at the time this ship sank, the USS Cabot was finishing up its its construction, so they decided to change the name of the USS Cabot to the USS Lexington. Oh. And I just don't understand why, why? What, what the point of changing the name would be if the USS Lexington was gone. Then why can't why does there have to be a does does there have to be another USS Lexington or why wouldn't they just say okay that one's no longer around so now we've got the USS Cabot so have no idea as soon as it was completed it joined the Fifth Fleet in Pearl Harbor during World War II the carrier participated in almost every major operation in the Pacific in the nearly 21 months that it was active during the war the planes deployed from this get this the planes that were deployed from this carrier destroyed 372 enemy aircraft that was in the air another 475 enemy aircraft that were on the ground wow and it sank or destroyed 300,000 tons of uh enemy cargo and damaged another 600,000 tons that's amazing (laughs) it also shot down 15 planes with the guns that were actually on board there and it assisted in five more downings of planes this thing did its its job. Well, yeah, it sounds like. I, I just can't even imagine that. Now, for some reason, they decommissioned the ship from 1947 to 1955. I couldn't really find why, but they kind of retired it a little long. And I mean, then did it, it just need to be upgraded or something? I don't was know. it damaged in any way? I have no idea. So, so, but in 55, it came back, and then it worked all the way up to 1991. Wow, very good. So enough history, though. So why is it called the Blue Ghost? So I said that, and then I'm going to go right back into history. (laughs) (laughs) The Japanese reported four different times that the USS Lexington had been sank. They were wrong every time. So it's like they say it sank, and then there it is. Uh, Oh, it sunk again. Oh, there it is. So that's why they nicknamed it the Blue Blue Ghost. Ghost. It's actually, are you familiar with um, the name, or I should say nickname of Tokyo Rose? Mm, no. That's not to be confused with the David Lee Rose song, I uh, My Yankee San- Rose. Oh, no, that's what. Tanya Tucker sings a song, but it's San Antonio. Yeah, that's probably. I don't even have nothing to do with that. Yeah, Sorry. not at all. Totally off, not even. So Tokyo Rose, and I'm just going to give you a little bit because it really isn't really part of the story, but I think it's fascinating. And if you guys are history buffs, go check out the biography and 
I think you'll be kind of cool with this story. And I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, so I might be a little off on all this because most of this is going off memory. But I know she was born in L.A. in 1916. She was a Japanese woman, but she was born here in America. Uh Okay. Her name was Iva Taguri, and I probably butchered the name. But anyway, so she had a relative. Her aunt was really sick over in Japan. So she went to go visit her aunt, and it just happened to be... At the same time that the attack on Pearl Harbor happened. Oh, no. Horrible timing. She was captured, and she had to um, renounce her U.S. citizenship. So they made her say, yeah, we know you're a citizen, but you have to renounce it. Why? Uh, because this was during a war, and the Japanese were fighting us. Oh, well, yeah, that makes so they sense. So kind of don't want her over yeah, there. Yeah, you know. well, true story. So she found work at the radio station, and she became host of a radio uh, at, at a place called Radio Tokyo, for a show called the Zero Hour Broadcast. Now, this was an English station, English talking station, uh-huh. and it was designed to put out Japanese propaganda to American troops. So they would hear this and think that things were way worse than what they really were. And the the gentleman that actually would write the scripts that she would read out. So it was almost it was like entertainment. It was almost like. Um, you know, like a radio drama or something, that she would read this stuff out. And the stories were actually written by American soldiers that were captured by the Japanese, and they were made to write the the stories. Oh, the Japanese made them write that stuff? Yeah, so that's kind of what happened. But anyway, long story short, she did this for like three years. Eventually, she got back to the United States, and then she was arrested for... Uh, I think treason. Oh, <laughs> for, my and gosh. Was, and was, was supposed to be given like six years in jail. I don't know if she finished all of it or not. But like all said, because she went to visit her sick aunt. All because she went to visit her sick aunt, and just because she happened to be Japanese. Oh wow! So, but anyway, it's there's a bunch of interviews with her talking about what she did and how she did it. Yeah. All. So it's it's really cool. Go check it out. Anyways, this story, paranormal wise, is loaded. There's a gentleman by the name of Rusty. Roussel, he's the director and operation of exhibits there. And he said that the museum gets hundreds of reports of paranormal happenings a year. Things like people being touched or seeing shadow figures. That's always fun. So the museum's executive director, a gentleman by the name of Steve Banta, he said that there are way too many accounts reported each year to just blow it off. He says there has, well, yeah, to, be there something has to be something to it. To it. Rusty said that he's actually experienced several different occurrences over the 26 years that he has spent on the ship. Oh, I bet. He said that he's always been a skeptic, but it just kind of seems like the, there's just too much going on that he can't explain mm-hmm. to turn a blind eye to it. Now, his favorite story involves, and, and you're going to stay with me on this one, ink pen caps. <laughs> That's weird. I, I never thought I would utter that phrase in my entire life. <laughs> I never thought I would say the most interesting and fascinating story involves <laughs> ink pen caps. <laughs> so, like I said, follow me on this one because it's going to sound a little silly, but it, it actually goes somewhere. He lost six ink pen caps in five weeks. Now, most of you are probably saying, uh, yeah, and. <laughs> <laughs> he would always use ballpoint pens. Yeah, and, like Bix or something. Yeah. Over the five weeks, these pen caps just kept, kept ended up missing they were all in his office so when the sixth one came up missing he said enough's enough he turned up his desk turned it upside down he's looking for these pen caps can't find it he said his office was completely spotless by the time he was done <laughs> because he went through checked every drawer every shelf to find out where the hell these damn pen caps yeah. were 
apparently he was like a little OCD in yeah. the fact that he had to have this pin cap on. And he said he was the only one who knew this. So he's the only like one who, an employee messing yeah, with him. Or only anything. one knew they were missing. Only one knew that it bothered him like that. So anyways, the next morning he comes back after this and all six of those pin caps were lying side by side on his Stop desk it. right in front of the computer keyboard. <laughs> so the go- the ghost was messing. Maybe that was his I way guess. of saying, um, dude, you need to clean your office up. Now, Rusty said that nobody has ever been hurt by any of the spirits aboard the USS Lexington. As a matter of fact, most of them are, most of them are really playful. Oh, well, that's good. Boy, how fired up would you be to do all that and then the daggone caps were laying there? Yeah, I would be fired up. <laughs> but I also don't think I would be, I don't think I'd be flipping up desk and everything oh, no. to find pen uh-uh. caps. Unless it's just, but you know, I've lost stuff before than looked for that was just curiosity. Yeah. And it really didn't matter what it was. It was just like, yeah, something's up or it's, uh, I know that thing was here yeah, or whatever right. the deal is. So one of the most occurred sightings is a sailor that's in uniform and he helps lost visitors find their way to the deck. Oh, no. And what's odd about this is they end up telling somebody, hey, I was glad that sailor helped me find my way. We were lost. We wouldn't have found it back if it wasn't for him. Only to find out that there are no sailors on the ship because it's been decommissioned a long time ago. It's a museum. It does not belong to the Navy. And therefore, there would be no sailors on the ship. Pretty cool. That's very nice, though. But wait, there are more helpful ghosts on this ship. (laughs) There's another sailor that happens to show up in the engine room, and he likes to give a lecture on how the turbines work. But just when he's right in the middle of the story, he vanishes right in the middle of the demonstration. Okay, wait. So people are actually listening to him tell the story? They Like, they can hear him? Yes. And he just vanishes in thin air. Rude. Yeah. I'd be wanting to know the end of that story. I couldn't care less about turbines. As a matter of fact, if I was listening to his demonstration on how engine turbines work, I probably would have vanished way before he did. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Boy, that's kind of creepy, though. Just the, know you're sitting there listening oh, to I know this what. guy. There's an education coordinator on the ship by the name of R- Renee Miranda, and she said there was a security guard that he heard reports of somebody kind of running around in one of the hangar bays at 3 a.m. one night. So the damage control officer couldn't see anything. As far as, you know, looking at the cameras and oh, stuff. Uh-huh. So he's like, you know, I'm, I'm not picking anything up on camera. So he went to physically go check it out. And he gets to the hangar. And he said when he opens the door, he witnessed several shadow figures running around in chaos. Oh. Needless to say, the officer never came back to work after that incident. He <laughs> said, oh, this is it. Boy, it just took one incident for him, huh? <laughs> It is important to note that there was a torpedo. Uh, a torpedo. torpedo. There's a torpedo hit the ship. <laughs> <laughs> it's important. It's important to point out that a torpedo hit the ship in Hangar Bay Three during the war, which is where this took place. The sighting. But why would the ghost want to just kind of hang there and relive that? I don't know. What the hell? That's exhausting. <laughs> so Bill Miller, he's a paranormal investigator, and. In, uh, He's a volunteer tour guide there on the USS Lexington. He said he thinks that the, the what the guard was actually seeing are the sailors kind of running for cover during the torpedo attack. He thinks it's more like a residual energy. Oh, like there's not really goodness. ghosts there. It's just just like replaying a movie over and over. Oh, no. That's basically residual That's, well, I didn't. I mean, I didn't even know really what that was about, but why would you want to hang around when a torpedo's 
continually coming after you, even though you're an apparition or a ghost right. or whatever. You could think that would be not fun. But he said if it is an actual spirit and not a uh, residual energy, that he thinks it's just because this is their home and they don't want to go anywhere else. Okay. Are you ready for our last story? I'm so ready, pretty. This is the old uh, adage, last but definitely not least. It is the oldest of our entire group, which says a lot considering how old mm-hmm. this last one was. We're going to talk about the USS Texas, which is also our second Texas ship. Now, this ship was launched in May of 1912. Think about that. Yeah. It became part of the U.S. Navy fleet in 1914. It was a sight to see in its day. Supposedly, this thing was top of the line technology-wise. It was superior from a military standpoint in every way possible. Why, you say? Because it had 10 14-inch guns that could fire a 1,400-pound shell over 13 miles away. This is is 1914. It also had four 21-inch torpedo tubes. The USS Texas served in World War One, started in 1917 at the mouth of the York River. Now, in 1918, it went across the Atlantic to kind of join the 6th Battle Squadron of the Britain Grand Fleet to kind of help just basically the, the British Army over there during the war. Now, there wasn't much battle seen by this ship. It was pretty much used for convoy missions and uh, helping the British blockade the North Sea when German heavy ships were kind of on the move. So it just more or less just... Keep an eye on stuff. Not really do anything. It eventually, though, became the first American battleship to launch a plane, being one of the first ships to join the newly formed Pacific Fleet. So think about that. They had never had a plane lift off of like an aircraft carrier or a ship or anything until this happened. That has to be the scariest thing ever for your first time. This thing kept getting awards, though. In 1927, the USS Texas was dubbed the flagship of the USS fleet. So out of every military vessel they had, this was it. This was their best. Wonderful. Then came World War II. Now, at first, the USS Texas, it just kind of stayed neutral, and it stayed out in the Atlantic, hoping that the World War would stay put in Mm -hmm. Europe and not make its way, because at the time, it really wasn't a world war. Eventually, though, the ship would use to send aid over to England. Then came the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Now we're involved. Mm. As far as the U.S., I wasn't involved. Yes, because you, you, you weren't there. No. It was Ben Affleck and, <laughs> and Matt Damon. No, no, no. no Matt Damon. Wasn't there. <laughs> it was Ben Affleck and I think uh, Jennifer Garner. Mm. October 1942, the U.S. Texas joined a task force of ships that began Operation Torch, who invaded North Africa. Here's a fun fact. A very young reporter started his basically reporting career being a war correspondent reporting on the uh, Operation Torch from the USS Texas. Do you know who that was? Geraldo. It was not Geraldo. It's a little before Geraldo's time. Um, Walter Conkright. Walter Cronkite would be the correct answer. What's his name? Well, and that's the way it is with Walter Cronkite. 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 I really enjoyed him. (laughs) I did. I liked him. Even though I can't say his name for nothing. In 1944, it became part of Operation Overlord, or what is more commonly known as the Storming of Normandy Beaches. Storming Norman. 
It played a huge part of D-Day, obviously. It would go on to the Battle of Iwo Jima and Okinawa, and in 1948, the USS Texas was anchored in Houston, Texas, in San Jacinto State Park as a museum. Oh, dang, we should have went and seen that while we were there. Yeah, it, we, we spent very little of Houston while we were there. Well, that's true. At over 100 years old, the USS Texas is America's oldest and first permanent battleship museum. So this thing does all kinds. Of, the first one to have a plane go off of it, first one became a museum. That's very impressive. So paranormal side of the USS Texas. Like the USS North Carolina, surprisingly, there wasn't a lot of death upon the actual ship. It caused a lot, I'm sure, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a lot on board the ship. Thank goodness for that. One of the known deaths, though, was helmsman Chris Christensen. Now, he was the only combat fatality. Mm-hmm. He passed away on July 25th, 1944, when he was hit by a German shell. Oh, Lord have mercy. Then you had two sailors that fell overboard and drowned during World War One. There was also an Army Ranger that died on an operating table aboard the ship just a few days after D-Day. I guess he had suffered injuries oh, from injury. D-Day. Aww. And then while they were operating, he passed away on the operating Aww. table. So sorry. But just because there hadn't been a lot of death compared to the amount of combat, especially, doesn't mean that there isn't a lot of paranormal activity. As we discussed before with the, with the USS North Carolina, there was plenty. The most common sighting is mysterious white vapors that appear... Basically from nowhere. They just, you're there, you see nothing, and then boom, there's a white vapor right in front of you. It's also pretty common to hear phantom voices. Some think that both of these could be residual energy, much like we talked about with Torpedo Tiger earlier. Many of the voices heard have a real sense of urgency and kind of sound like that they're straight out of a a combat situation. So just kind of sit back and think about what you would hear yeah. if there was something going on, the people running around, the yelling, the, the back and forth, and, oh do, you know, that's that kind of... Yeah, that is the scariest thing, because you literally do not know what direction anything is coming from. Oh, that's just heartbreaking. So the funny thing about these voices, though, is there isn't any particular section of the ship where people hear them. Oh. It seems to just happen all over the ship, and it has happened for decades. Oh, my goodness. It's the same way with the vapor and the mist. They're kind of seen by several different people, uh, visitors and employees included all over the ship. So there's no, this plate, this ship is haunted from end to end, basically. Mm-hmm. So not all the spirits here, though, come in the form of a vapor. There is a young redheaded sailor in a uniform that's been seen to wander the halls of the ship. He's apparently happy because he's almost always seen smiling. Oh, good. One thing here that kind of stands out, though, is that he's mostly seen kind of nonchalantly just standing mm-hmm. upon one of the walls. And most of the time, it's by one of the ship's ladders. So I have no idea why that would be, but that's most of the time where he's seen it's by mm-hmm. a ladder. He's always been described as a very calm spirit. And no one can really say if he fits any of the descriptions of any of the people that we talked about earlier mm-hmm. that actually passed away on the ship. Um, but he's there regardless, so... Not really sure. Well, I like those stories. Yeah, but I thought it was nice to do so a little bit of military story. Yeah. Man, that just, it just gives me cold chills thinking that you're like out on a ship in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, what are you going to do? 
nothing. The ocean is a scary place. I think so too. It's like you know we talk about that. What was that movie? Uh, Open water. Yeah. And you, I mean, just there's that's hopeless. Mm-hmm. I mean, you. I get. I think even if you were like in a desert. And you were by yourself and you there was nothing around. You would almost feel like you had a better shot. But if you're in the ocean and you're by yourself and you don't say anything, you almost feel like, yeah, you know, oh, man. that's not going to happen. Mad respect. I'll tell you that. So real quick, we're getting ready to do our iTunes and Patreon reviews. You guys are awesome, by yes, the way. Yes, you guys. You never disappoint. But I wanted to tell you on the Wednesday episode that we got coming up, we've got author Leslie Fear. She is a paranormal romance author. And I told her when I told her when we were talking that I, when I hear that I think like Twilight or something, but she mm-hmm. assures me that's not what it is. Oh, okay. She's got a, like six books out; they all do really well. And she tells some awesome stories. She's got some great paranormal stories that she told us, and I uh, can't wait for you guys to hear it. And she's got a great personality, and some of you may have heard her on one of the shorts that we did last week because she actually filled in when Tracy was uh, under the weather. Yeah, for thank one you of for them. doing that. So, yeah, very, very cool. We've got some good guests coming up. Everybody mm-hmm. loved Ashley uh, Godwin, who was on mm-hmm. last week, and we had a lot of positive review. We've got a pet psychic coming on. Oh, nice. A couple of other paranormal investigators. And, and when we get these guys on, like I said, it's not really an interview. It's more or less, hey, tell us some of your cool stories. Yeah, yeah. So offer something a little bit different. So that's I, what we got. I feel like I need a, I know not, She's a psychic reader for pets and stuff, but I feel like I need a reading. My daddy's birthday's coming up, and, you know, first time without him on the holidays, so I have to investigate on that and see if I can find somebody to do that for me. Yeah, we'll probably call Chantel again because yeah. the media matters. Good show if you haven't heard it. Yeah. She's, she's actually really good at what she does. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, All right, well, you guys um, – you showed out again for the iTunes and the Patreons. We appreciate it. Showed out. Is that not good? What are you? I don't know. Does that not my? Does that make no sense? No, I mean it does. I just not. I don't think I've ever heard you use the term <laughs> "showed out." Well, hey, <laughs> I'm coming up to the centuries or going backwards. I don't You're know which one it is. A little bit too much two chains or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the one is trying to be the best me, Kentucky Squirrel three nine three. S.M. Brown, 842, E.C. Perez, 2017, Allie Hutch, Jessica B., 98, Kino Bino, Kate G.R., Just Ruthie, Snazzy Shazzy, Shelby L., and S.D. Wick. Thank you for your kind words, and I just love you all so much. You're just so kind. You really are. And and please, guys, these reviews mean the world to us. They mean way more than you realize. So oh, if yeah. you can go to iTunes or if you've got a friend that's got iTunes or you can actually do, if you've got a desktop and you don't have an iPhone or an iPad, you can create an, an account on your iTunes. It's free on your desktop and you can leave a review that way. But those reviews, they help us be seen. They help the show grow. Everything that we do financially uh, comes from ads and stuff like that. And that's all based on how many people listen to the show. So in the end, those things, those iTunes reviews is really where most of that starts. Yeah. And yeah. we appreciate it. The more we get, the more we're seen by everybody else who might not have seen us. True. So. All right. This week's Patreons are Kimberly, Yvonne, Francisco, Julie, Ecky, I think it is, Christopher, Herertus. Robert Magner, 
and Genevieve and Aria. Thank you for your support, guys. It, it really means a lot to us, and oh, we just love you. We just do. And um, I know the holidays are coming up, so um, we have some live shows coming up next year. If you want to uh, purchase a couple tickets for some events next year, that'd be a nice Christmas gift. And we have all kinds of things in our store. And we got hoodies on sale. And we have hoodies on sale right now because I think tomorrow your butthole is going to pucker because it's supposed to be really, really, really cold. You know, it's not cold for everybody that listens to the show. Well, I know this, but... <laughs> I think a lot. I think a big old cold front's coming through. So Tracy lives in her own little bubble, or should we say, in this case, snow globe. <laughs> I've got, I guarantee Chelsea and I out in California is not going to well, be freezing true. tomorrow. That's very true. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. But anyway, again, thank you guys for your support and your wonderful reviews. We appreciate y'all so much. Plus, it's summertime in Australia. Oh, I know. Isn't that crazy? Live shows, like she's talked about real quick, everything is for sale in our store, hillbillyhorrorstories.com. Just go there, go to the live events. We've got uh, set up everywhere. I mean, Bobby Mackey's, we've got uh, a show we'll be doing in Louisville. We'll all be going to the Waverly Hills tour afterwards, like we usually do. No affiliation to Waverly Hills, so we don't get in trouble. Um, and then, obviously, like I said, we've got Gettysburg. We've got Savannah. We've got Charleston. How cool are all those places? I know. So. Again, we're very excited. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Y'all have a blessed week. We love you.